You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Well, welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's me, Colin Kelly, as always, joined on the show with Doug Moore, my co-host here. And uh, today on the show, I'm delighted to be joined by Nick Whalen of uh, DLF of the Philometrics Podcast, the author of the Debbie Report. It's always good fun when we have Nick on. And Nick, uh, I'm guessing that you're uh, pretty happy today after watching the Cubs win the World Series. Yeah, it's uh, pretty awesome. I'm, I'm tired today because the game was uh, super long last night. But uh, yeah, it's uh, once in a lifetime, you know. Uh, a lot of people have waited and probably didn't even get to experience this. So I definitely soaked it up. It was. Uh, the most epic Game 7 I've ever seen, so it only adds to the allure of the championship, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but anytime any of my teams that I support are involved in any sort of sports uh, final getting to the end of a series, it's an absolutely amazing feeling, and I can just imagine uh, how you're feeling today. Doug, uh, I don't know if you, you're, you're not a Cubs fan, no? Uh, no, but uh, it, was, it was certainly fun watching that game last night. What, what a... Uh... What a way to cap off the World Series. Yeah, it was, uh, I went on Twitter today looking through uh, the timelines and it uh, definitely did seem to be an all-time uh, great finish. And I suppose if there's any Cleveland fans out there, they're feeling the opposite way to, to Nick right now. But uh, to start off the show, obviously, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, all the ways you can listen to the podcast. You can find them all on OvertimeIreland.com. We're on Twitter at OvertimeIreland as well. And, uh, you know, I'd like to do that little plug at the start. But we're, uh, we almost missed the podcast. Nick hit me with a little DM on Twitter. And the time here uh, in Europe and Ireland and the UK over the last, uh, week changed last Saturday with Halloween and we have an hour time difference to usual so I was sitting uh, playing Madden on the, the Playstation and I got a message from Nick to say are we still on for the podcast so thanks to Nick for sending that along but we are here now and uh, before we get into the week 9 games uh, I'm just going to play this little uh, promo for you and uh, we'll get straight into the games after that Just before we get into the game previews, I want to quickly tell you about a promotion we've got going on here at OTI. You've probably heard this over the last couple of weeks on the show, but it is continuing on and it is with NFL Shop Europe. Their website is europe.nflshop.com and they are giving OTI listeners an exclusive discount of 10% off all orders. That is OTI10 as the discount code at checkout. You save yourself 10% off. And good news, up until this coming Monday, they are offering free shipping worldwide as well. So if you're looking for maybe a hoodie, a hat or that coming into the winter time keep your head warm keep your body warm check them out they have all the latest new area gear and so on and so forth all authentic nfl merchandise i've even seen some cute uh, baby grows gyms up on their website over the last couple of days so uh check that out as well if you have any kids and want to get them kitted out uh, coming up to the holiday season so uh, that is oti 10 at checkout save 10 percent off and uh, until monday they have a uh, free worldwide shipping and it's europe.nflshop.com so with all the shameless plugs and promotion out of the way here, we're going to get straight into week nine. But before we get in, I'm going to let the, the guest here, Nick, jump aboard for us. Week eight, there was a lot of different stuff happened on that week eight slate. Uh, you know, what was your one key talking point, if you had to just pick one from what happened in, the, in those games? I'd have to look at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, it's been kind of a disaster the last few weeks, that offense, and how they haven't succeeded after with that great defense and you know, there was some Bradford for MVP talk initially, and then that is that is gone. Yeah, uh, as, should I mean, my bear, my I mean, my Bears. I mean, they they looked awesome against them, which they're they're not that great of a team. So, uh, actually, I guess my question to you guys is: with Norv Turner resigning, yep. does that make Patterson or Treadwell or Diggs in that offense change much, or make them more? you know, better assets moving forward for fantasy. Uh, I think with, you know, it's one of those ones where we have to, to wait and see what happens over particularly this week. But when you look at it, Patterson has actually started to get quite involved in the offense over the last three or four weeks. And, you know, he's somebody who, a bit like if you look at the start of the season and last season, Devontae Adams as well. He was kind of, you know, that punching bag. Christine Michaels in that bag of characters as well that everyone was down on for, for so long and, you know, kind of making jokes about. But uh, Patterson has been playing a lot better and uh, getting used in the offense in a, you know, a way that suits him more. And I think, 
maybe North Turner was behind that, but it, it's going to be interesting because you know I think it'll move now to a, a much more uh, short passing offense, and you know it'll be more volume dependent. You have guys there like Thielen and uh, Diggs, and I think that's all going to help them. But it's it's really hard because I t- I tweeted this out. It's down to that offensive line. The offensive line is causing such issues that they literally have no run game. I know McKinnon missed this week, but it's just uh, I think. You know, Narv couldn't start the offensive line. That's where I think the key issue is. But you know, it's one of those ones where we'll we'll have to sit for a week and kind of reevaluate it. Maybe this time next week we'll have a clearer idea. But sometimes when you get that coaching change, you do see uh, an uptick in uh, player performance and that with a new guy coming in, maybe lift the spirits. But the thing I wanted to mention on the coaching changes, it's not often you see a team, and I know we have had struggles since the bye for the Vikings, but a team that's five and two uh, in the NFL leading their division. changing uh, their offensive coordinator so it's, it's strange on that one did, did you find that strange I know they've had their struggles but that was quite strange for the, the change to happen yeah I thought it was really strange uh especially I mean it sounded like from what I had read Zimmer wanted North to change some things and North was we had enough of Zimmer giving him tips and tricks or whatever and he had enough and he resigned that that's what I had heard most time when someone resigns, they, they got fired. But yeah. I, I don't know if that was the case. Um, I guess, you know, if I'm going to go glass half full, I have to look at the Baltimore Ravens a few years ago when they went to the Super Bowl and they had, uh, you know, an offensive coordinator change and it really sparked the offense. That's what you would hope. And that's the only time with a good team, as you had said, Colm, with, you know, that's 5-2 and two and right at the top of the division to make a, a coordinator change at this point in the season. That's the only time I can think of where it's had a positive uh reflection on all of the players so i'm hoping for that but yeah it's it's uh, odd yeah it's one that i think uh, is a situation where you're gonna to have to wait for a couple of weeks to see what happens and you know you mentioned with you know coordinators and that situation it's usually that they're sacked well olsen down uh, in jacksonville was sacked last friday relief from his duty so we'll see if the jaguars can have a an uptick in performance too because their offense well, is being putrid as well and and one thing I want to point out uh, as well is the guy who's taking over, uh, Pat Shermer, has yep. a little bit of familiarity with um, with Sam Bradford. Yep. You know, he was the offensive coordinator and then the um, uh, the the interim head coach last season with the Philadelphia Eagles when Bradford was there. And Bradford actually did pretty well down the stretch, uh, at least considering what he did last year. You know, in the first half. So I wonder if that's part of the reason why they they put him there uh and it'll, it'll be curious to see if, if Bradford's stats go up but that offensive line like you guys said is is something that you know no offensive coordinator can really solve it's a it's a personnel issue more than a uh, a coaching one yeah so it's uh, I, i'm looking forward to seeing hopefully it takes them a little bit of time to fix it because as a packers fan we're gonna have to, to try and catch up and it's not often the bears do the packers a favor but maybe that win on uh, monday night football was one of those and um, looking at Last week, Mike, in a worst moment, is one of my worst fantasy football, I think, probably ever weeks. Um, I would say 80% of my teams lost this past week. It was pretty dismal, but the worst loss came in one of my home leagues where uh, overtime cost me big time with uh, Kurt Cousins and Amari Cooper piling up extra points uh, in overtime, and that one shot me in the foot in a four-point loss. But there was a lot of interesting things, but you know we're going to kind of talk about more of them as we get in now to week nine. And there's uh, six teams on by this week, so it is uh, hard to kind of go through some of these players and see who you should be starting and sitting this week. But Arizona, Chicago, uh, Cincinnati, Washington, New England, and Houston all on by this week. And I'm going to kick it off um, with Pittsburgh at Baltimore. And this is a game where um, Big Ben has historically had, had trouble on the road in Baltimore. Um, this week he has uh, trained the first few days of the week, uh, Monday limited, and it, as progresses as the week has gone along, it does look like he should be starting this week. So I think it definitely gives an uptick in, in value to guys like uh, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. You were going to be starting them anyway. But uh, this Baltimore defense has been quite good this year. Offensively, they've been very, very poor. But uh, Nick, I'm interested to see in this one with them on the road, Ben coming off that knee injury. Is this one where if you do own Big Ben, you're going to be sitting him? Um, because... I don't own him anywhere, but that's kind of the advice that I'd be rolling out there. Yeah, I, I think you have to. I think just because of the potential of Big Ben and the weapons that he has. I mean, anytime that you have the best receiver in the game, and the best receiving back in the game, uh, you have to go with him. Because, and I've looked at some of Big Ben's, uh, you know, stats. It's been a little up and down this year, but that up is so high, especially like you said with all the bye weeks. I think that 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 kind of takes away any negative. Uh, connotation you could have with starting because he could actually win you a game this week 
Uh, another game that um, you know is going to be interesting this week is going to be Buffalo at Seattle. Seattle has been a team, you know, this is going to be Monday night football. It's, Seattle has been a team this season where it's just been a struggle throughout the the whole process. Um, you know, early in the season they they won a couple of tight games, but last week against the Saints it was just a situation where. They couldn't really get anything going. The Saints kept them pretty much under control. You know, last week Doug had kind of thought that Kristen Michael was in for a big week, and it didn't really materialise that much. But Russell Wilson, his knee, his ankle issues have been really, really uh, hurting him. But I think at this moment in time, he's on pace for something like a, maybe a hundred and four yards for the season. And you know, we always kind of had that kind of three to five hundred yard rushing uh, total kind of put into his season expectations but without the rushing game for him without him being able to you know help those offensive line issues and you know sneak out of trouble and so on and so forth and that you know I think he helped the run game as much as a lot more than people realize with his ability to kind of have defenders worry about him as well it's a real concern I mentioned with Big Ben would you be sitting him but Russell Wilson at home the Buffalo defense hasn't been giving up many points uh, this season you know two opposing quarterbacks I know Tom Brady had a big game last week but again Seattle have you any Seahawks that you're starting with confidence this week well I think that's a huge point with Russell Wilson I mean it's not only that he helps the running game with you know kind of keeping defenders out of the box and defenders from crashing down it's the receivers too I mean I know Lockett's been banged up but he's supposed to back full speed he hasn't really put up the numbers Jimmy Graham's been a nice surprise uh, so I think he's a, a for sure start. Um, but I, I, have a, I have a stat of Christine Michael that I want to share, and I don't want to upset Doug on air. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we've done that before. But, I mean, over his last 81 carries, this is after his first carry against San Francisco, which was a wide-open hole for that 41-yard touchdown. He's having 3.44 yards per carry. And I know nobody on that team is running well. So... You know, the, the news that we hear is that process is going to get more involved. And I don't know if that's just going to feed into Michael and eventually it's going to be Rawls and they just aren't really good starts for anybody, especially because the offensive line isn't good. What do you think about that, Paul? I just think that the, the, the offensive line, again, similar to what we mentioned with Minnesota, uh, you know, we talk, everyone hypes up the Dallas offensive line when an offensive line is playing in unison with quality players who can open holes for running backs. It doesn't really matter who's in there. You know, me or you could be in running behind it, and I think we'd pick up chunks of yards. Um, I think even if you look at Tennessee, what they're doing at the moment, we've seen last week when Derrick Henry came in, it just kind of continued as normal. I just think it's a situation where if the offensive line is playing at an elite level, uh, providing those holes and opportunities are going to get through. But if, if your offensive line can't give your quarterback, you know, a couple of seconds to pass the ball, even on short routes, uh, you know, it doesn't give things time to develop, you're in a real, real... Uh, problem situation and it's just uh, I'm, people don't realize how big a, a trouble your team's in if the if the offensive line isn't producing and I think this is just another situation where it is and uh, Wilson of course his athleticism has been hampered this season by um, those injuries as well as I mentioned well I mean Russell Wilson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in three weeks I was just thinking so, that I, I couldn't think of the amount of weeks but I was just thinking that as well I mean, it's, it's bad. I mean, and yeah, he almost led him back to a win last week if Curse could have got his second foot in. I mean, I, mean, I get it. I, I hear all of that. But you can't start him until he's proven that he's healthy and that that passing game can get back to that one stretch it had at the end of the year last year. I mean, if it wasn't the end of the year last year, Russell wasn't even a great fantasy quarterback in the first half of last yeah, year. Yeah, so, kind of those last eight games, yeah. Yeah, so which which is it? You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe that's the outlier. Maybe he just really isn't an elite fantasy quarterback. Yeah, and he's not. I know a lot of the stuff you're involved in is dynasty. Most of my leagues are dynasty, so some season long sprinkled in there. But Wilson isn't somebody that I've had, or you know, after he came into the league, he had that low stock. But now he's at such a value that I, I have never been able to acquire him. But if I had him at this moment in time, he's just somebody that would have to be sitting because you always, as I mentioned earlier, had those built in rush yards, and you just you can't rely on those. So it's. It's a whole struggle, and there's nobody really out to the Jimmy Graham this week that I'd be starting with confidence because Buffalo's defense has uh, been pretty good out to the last week. I remember, and I'll call that an outlier. But on their side of the ball, Percy Harvin's back in the fray. But <clears throat> you know, I, I don't expect anything from him this week, and I don't really expect anything unless LeSean McCoy goes. But Seattle has just been bottling up running backs this season as well, so it's a really, really tough matchup. And I'm going to let Doug, if uh, if he's here this time, we I've cut it out, uh, edited it out, but uh, he was asleep the last time. Are you there, Doug? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. No, that's that's my bad, guys. Uh, no, but uh, you can't anger me over Christine Michael. Now, 
the one thing to get me angry, Nick, I'll just throw out there, is if you try and say that Mac Jones is is a good football player. Uh, that, that's just um, then we're, then we we're good it. there. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, what I was curious about is this matchup between uh, the Colts and the the Packers. Uh, we're going into uh, this weekend. I think I'm right with the Colts and Packers. I'm yeah. right, guys. Yeah, and Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're talking with the I, I NFL here, Doug. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess a, a couple questions on each side. I'll try to be as quick as I can. I, I personally am curious to see what you think about you know now that. You know, all the wide receivers for Indianapolis, or at least the top three, are theoretically healthy. That means Dante Moncrief is back, Philip Dorsett, and then T.Y. Hilton. Hilton looked bothered last week by the hamstring injury. Yeah. Uh, any any concern about him? Uh, or do you think this is going to be a situation where Moncrief is going to keep looking uh, and getting more looks in the passing game as he comes back? Because I think he led them all last week. And then what to make of this Packers running back situation? I have yet to ask you about that. Um, so I want to get your take on that as well. It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few things. So one, the Packers pass defense is so bad and so beat up. I think it's tough to sit any of those guys, especially when you have so many teams on bye weeks this week. I mean, Moncrief still has to get that rapport back and the timing back with Luck, but considering that he has a touchdown and seven out of the last ten starts with Luck or whatever it is, I mean, I think you have to start him. And Hilton, he's bothered. But, man, nobody in that Packers secondary can guard anybody. I mean, Sanu was, you know, had life again and, you know, they put a lot of attention on Julio, so I get it. But, I mean, they're getting so many yards on that side of the ball. Then when you look at, at Green Bay, um, I mean, they cut Nile Davis after they traded for him. I don't believe in Don <laughs> Jackson. If I had to put a guess as to a running back, and again, I'm not, I'm quoting it, air quoting it, Ty Montgomery's not a running back, even though he's the guy that kind of does that stuff. I think, like, the, the most sneaky guy to pick up in, like, for a, a prayer would be Aaron Rutkowski, the the big fullback. He looked okay running the ball. He's tough. He might get some goal line carries in that John Kuhn role or something could happen there, but um, I, he's not startable. And and kind of looking at that Packers offense, and you guys you know, are fans of them, I mean, this is the first time I think that the Packers are saying, whatever, we're going to air it out like Drew Brees airs it out. Yeah. You know, he had 56 attempts against the Bears. He had a ton of dropbacks against Atlanta. And it, it's rare for him. I mean, 45, 42, 56, and 38 are his attempts the last four games. Because they don't run the ball. They just said, we don't care. And that means that Devontae Adams could have, you know, what is it, 12 catches for like 80 yards or something really bad. And Cobb gets double-digit receptions. And, I mean, Jordy's not getting the numbers there. But, I mean, there's going to be numbers in that in that offense. And um, I, I think I think on both sides you have to start all the passing guys because it's going to be a big high-scoring affair. Yeah, and especially with the bye weeks. And I did joke there that, it doesn't exist, the Packers running game, but when you're looking at a running back to start and you mention the fullback in Ripkowski, I think that shows how desperate a situation it is. But it's, uh, you know, the ball's been spread around. You mentioned Rodgers. If you're in PPR leagues, you've got to start all your Packers guys there. And, uh, you know, uh, Ty Montgomery should be back this week. Uh, you know, those sickle cell symptoms last week, and that's something new for him to have to deal with. There was a kidney issue with it, and uh, but he's expected to be back this week. I think, as you mentioned, you just have to start all those guys that have the opportunity. The Packers secondary so banged up. We all know that. It, well, actually, um, the, the Colts have been really, really banged up, even worse than the Packers. So I think they're going to have a serious situation this week. So I think overall it's going to be a high-scoring game here. And I think you pretty much have to start all your skill position players there uh, in this one. Next up, I'm going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs quickly. And um, obviously, Jamal Charles on IR. Uh, his season is done. He had exploratory knee surgery on Wednesday. So you know he's 30 in December. You know, his career with the Chiefs, unfortunately, could be done. It's just uh, it's tough to see because over the last kind of 10 years or so, he's been uh, one of the, the better running backs, one of my favorite running backs to watch. And he's just had a historic yards per carry throughout his career, over five yards uh, per carry. And it's just a, a disappointing situation. Then the other one, Spencer Ware, who has been so good this season uh, and has stayed and he's in concussion protocol, doesn't look like he's going to be ready to go for a week eight. So Trichandrick West is going to be playing. And, you know, I think you, you have to pretty much say that He's a must-start with uh, the injury situation and the concussion situation to wear. Would you agree that he's must-start this week? Uh, no doubts about plugging him in and playing him. Uh, Nick? I don't, have any, I don't have any doubts about plugging him in just because of how Andy Reid utilizes the running back yeah. in that offense. 
they're going to get fed through running the ball, through catching the ball. They set them up well. It's a good offensive line. I mean, that is that's a premium spot. I don't care if it's Bishop Sankey and Trek Hendrick West stubs his toe in, in, in pregame warmups. I'm going to start Sankey. Like, whoever it is, I'm going to start him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you mentioned there as well, they signed uh, Bishop Sankey off the Patriots practice squad. So that shows you, uh, you know, Trek Hendrick West will get a full workload this week. Alex Smith is going to be sitting out. Nick Foles will be starting. It came out and it was quite tough to watch last week Alex Smith came out of the game went back in that second hit where his head hits the ground uh, was quite a sickening hit and uh, you know it's a situation where they said he had a concussion and they said he didn't have a concussion I think it's pretty clear that he had a concussion where he's not going to be playing this week but Nick Foles starts but I think it gives you you know a pause even with if it was Alex Smith it's it's tough to play these uh, the Colts you know wide receivers now I think you're starting Kelsey I'm pretty much done with Jeremy Macklin and I know Jacksonville last week gave up a lot of points uh, to the Titans but I think this Jacksonville secondary is particularly uh, good and has improved so I think it's kind of a tough week to start your Chiefs and then Jacksonville I am just not starting anyone on that Jacksonville Jaguars uh, team this week I'll let Doug answer this one is there anyone for Jacksonville that you would be starting yeah that's really hard to say uh, I mean it's I don't just think it is to... <laughs> it... no I mean it's hard because when we think about last season you know they they had a lot of fantasy production you know they had guys like Blake Bortles Alan Robinson Julius Thomas even Alan Hearns as well who were I would say guys who at least deserved, if not already, were being started every week. And, you know, it, it's a situation where there's borderline, besides maybe Allen Robinson, because you just have to. I don't know if there's a guy you can start this week or really just going forward unless you have a really good matchup because of how cons- inconsistent this offense is. Yeah, it's, it's super inconsistent. And, you know, I've mentioned it with uh, Bartles a couple of times on the show that, you know, his, his problems in the, the first quarter in particular, he's up now to four career first quarter touchdowns and things like that just shows you that a lot of his stuff's in garbage time. We've seen it last week again where he, I think he put up 250 yards in garbage time. So it's very hard to rely on that. And I know a lot of people playing fantasy football think that Blake Bartles is a, a kind of a god the way he can put up those garbage time points, but it's, it's just not something that you can rely on. And I'm an Allen Robinson owner in multiple leagues, but unfortunately he'll be riding the pine this coming week an interesting situation nick i want to get your thoughts on is uh san francisco hosting the saints this week obviously mark ingram had a fumble last week was returned for a touchdown to the seahawks very early in that game and ended up with ingram finishing and fantasy stakes uh, and minus on negative points and um, uh, tim hightower came in got all the workload uh, basically you know Ingram hasn't got many carries inside the red zone this year. Um, Hightower getting stuffed uh, on five attempts inside there. So I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, if you're trying to quantify it, I think Mark Ingram's a far better running back, a far better talent. And I think, you know, this is such a juicy matchup against the, the 49ers defense. It's one that, you know, if Ingram hadn't had the, the fumble last week and hadn't a sat, you'd be just going into this and you could be thinking, you know, how many points can he put up? But what's your thoughts on the, the New Orleans backfield going into this? I, I do on Ingram in a number of leagues and, I'm just with the matchup, and I know there's a, a scenario here where he sits again, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think he, he gets that opportunity early in the game, and I think he rides with it here against the 49ers. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, what a just a bizarre career for Mark Ingram. You know, I mean, he comes out, he, he wins the Heisman, he has a bad next year because of a knee injury. First round pick with the Saints, and you hear Sean Payton talk to his daughter to pick him up in fantasy. You remember that stuff, and then. A horrible start to his NFL career. Then he has a little bit of a resurgence. And last year, he caught the ball a lot. And then this year, they hardly utilize him. Like, it, it just doesn't make – there's nothing it's consistent. Been a I mean, strength season. I mean, last week, Daniel Lasco had more carries than Mark Ingram. <laughs> After the fall, Daniel Lasco – I mean, Daniel Lasco was barely playing on the year. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, okay, high power, sure. And then feed Ingram again. But, I mean, Peyton – you know, Sean Payton said, you know, confidence with Ingram. But it's going to be a committee moving forward. I don't believe anything that he says. No, I don't either. Hightower, Hightower got the carries, even though it's a horrible yards per carry. He did that last year, even though he had a horrible yards per carry. Lasco got carries. I don't think you can start um, Ingram. And you were saying the matchup. I mean, I just a little plug. I follow 4 for 4 They have really, really good yeah. predictions for their starts. I mean, that is the, the number one running back opportunity this week. It's the, it's the worst defense against running backs. By so it's a great team. matchup, but I don't think you can start him. Yeah, it's uh, well, I will be starting him. It's just on the, just it's one of those situations with the six teams on by. I don't think I really have an option, and um, just with that opportunity, we've seen a few weeks ago, even with the Buccaneers, um, Jaquez Rogers, and I think it, 
it might have been Peyton Barber was in there too and both of them went for uh, close to or over 100 yards and I think even if he is only unlimited snaps I think you have to take that opportunity but I, I, I agree with you I could be sitting here uh, you know Monday morning and thinking yeah that was a terrible decision I should have listened to Nick but it's one that I'm going to have to roll with uh, Doug you're up next yeah, I, I, I'm curious, Nick, going into this game uh, between the Browns and the Cowboys, whether or not Ezekiel gets 150 yards or if he gets 200 yards. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just this is a, a, a beautiful matchup for him. He has proven to be, I guess you could say matchup proof even, you know, when he gashed the, uh, I believe it was the Vikings. Uh, or no, it was, I'm sorry, it was the Packers. You know, he was the only guy to run for like a hundred over a hundred yards or even close to something yeah. like that. And uh, you know, obviously, he's got a, a really good matchup this week against the Browns. I'm curious about that. And then also, with Corey Coleman slated to come back, how does that affect Terrell Pryor? And what can we expect out of him going forward? Considering he was, uh, you know, had a hundred yards and two touchdowns in the game before he uh, he broke his hand. Oh, those are two really good questions. Uh, I mean, obviously with Elliott, I know it's a little tongue-in-cheek. I mean, he's going to be awesome. And, uh, I mean, the Browns are not good. And Elliott, and the good news is, Elliott didn't really get his stride early in the year. I mean, he put up numbers because he had some volume, but he didn't look great. He wasn't, you know, the timing. But now, I mean, the last few games, he's really looked spot on. And uh, and that's great to see. You want to see guys that have the potential actually hit the potential. And I know people paid a very high price for Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm sure they're excited for that. Um, I think really it's going to depend on if it's a game or not, whether they keep him in. Because yeah, I think I, Alfred I, Morris could get time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, the Browns can throw the ball, and they have some speed targets, as you kind of talked about. So if they can keep it a game, maybe Elliott can get, you know, the two-burger, I like to call it. But if not, it might be 100 and change and maybe two touchdowns, which is still good and startable. Uh, to go to, on your other question, I was so wrong on Terrell Pryor, everybody. I mean – I, you know, big height, weight, speed guy. He's 27 already, switching yeah. positions. And I'm like, sure, he's sure he's going to make it. You know what I mean? Off of one preseason long catch from RG3. But he's really proven to be the guy. And when um, you look at, you know, Coleman, he did have one big game. And that was against some, a really bad competition. So I don't really know what he is. I was kind of a doubter on him, having a full repertoire in terms of his game and route running and things like that. But he's looked awesome, I thought, in preseason and regular season. But kind of like Moncrief, I'm not sure Coleman's going to have the um, timing and the rapport, especially with, I mean, maybe it's Cody Kessler that's going to start. And, and my, uh, my, one, my one joke I want to make, it could be Corey Kluber, you know, for our baseball fans out there. He starts every three, game, every three days out there for the Indians. Maybe he'll just jump and help out the, the Browns this week. But I just don't know if, I don't know if Coleman's going to have the rapport to, to put up a huge game this week. Yeah, and uh, when you mentioned as well, you know, with Pryor, I think we, uh, well, I didn't think that it was going to be quite as effective as he is. I thought it was going to take a number of years if he got there, and with that age, it was just going to be a tough, and I actually picked him up even this offseason in a couple of waiver wires and dynasty leagues, and, you know, I have him now, and you're looking at him, he's going to be 27, and you're trying to figure out what you can get for him, and nobody really knows what his value is, so your your thoughts on his value moving forward in dynasty, it's a, it's a strange one. No, that's a good question. Plus, he's a free agent, too. So, you know, they, they kind of have to figure out if they're going to re-sign him, give him big money, what they're going to do with Gordon. and, and uh, I think, I I think though, with the Browns situation, I think they are going to have to re-sign him because they kind of have to, with the way the salary cap is structured and now they have so many younger players on their team, I think they probably will give him probably more than he deserves. But, you know, they, they've talked about who they would trade and he was kind of the only guy that they didn't want to trade this uh, season. So I think they must be thinking about keeping him longer term. Well, if you think about this, they only have one franchise tag, and now they have Jamie Collins. Yeah, and you know, and I'm not a defensive guy, but I mean, who are you going to spend the money on, Pryor or Collins? I agree with you there, and I was just about to say that because uh, Doug covers the Pats as well, and uh, you know, Doug, I seen your comments coming out on Twitter, and they're pretty much uh, the same as mine. It was a, a bizarre trade because you know the the Pats get a, a third round conditional pick. Even if they had to let him go in free agency, they would have got a conditional pick. So it's a, it's a strange one. Have you uh, figured anything out from it since? Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to figure out much from it. I think it's just going to be a situation where, sort of like with Chandler Jones, yeah. uh, it's a situation where you know it was a random trade out of the blue. We're never going to find out really what mm. happened, the main reasons behind it. And you know, you could point to the fact that 
oh, well, they're not going to get anything for him because they're going to let him go in free agency. But the problem is they were going to get probably the same round pick just a year later. Um, so I, I just think it was a situation where contract talks, they just were not getting anywhere. And they just said, you know, let's let's just cut ties now. And the, the, the Browns happened to just, you know, be elated at this sort of thing. And they... Uh, they they clearly had the winning bid for a player that might only be there for three months. Yeah, well, I think as you you know, you, Nick mentioned, I think he will get the franchise tag either way. But it's it's one just we'll see. It's one of those ones that you kind of might know what goes on. I'm sure it'll leak out eventually. But the Patriots usually keep that sort of stuff quiet. Moving on now, we mentioned uh, the Vikings earlier a little bit, so I'm going to look at this game from kind of the Lions' perspective. The Detroit heading to Minnesota. Minnesota now back to back losses after their bye week, losing to Philadelphia, losing then to Chicago on Monday Night Football last week, and you know Marvin Jones started the season very nicely he's kind of slowed down he had six receptions of 30 yards or more through the first three weeks and since then he's just had one and the Vikings don't give up many uh, passes for over 30 yards at any stage of the season they have allowed just five this week though I think is a a theoretic week he's uh, playing really really solid this season another nice game this past week I think he had eight receptions against the Houston Texans so I'm starting Riddick this week in multiple leagues Uh, I think it's gonna be a week maybe two where Golden Tate gets a lot of short work but uh, it's it's a tough one to uh, start anyone on either side with a, a large amount of confidence uh, this week. Nick, is there anybody that I've left out of that game that you think should be starting this week? Well, I think the tough part too is which one is Xavier Rhodes going to be, uh, you know, matched up against and, and following because Marvin Jones doesn't have the strength to get away from him. Uh, while he's a good athlete, I'm not sure he's that much better. And that defense is, we know that defense has the potential to be that great, right? And it's just a matter of whether they're going to do it or. They have enough of a break from the offense that they can sustain a drive to not be tired later. So, you know, so that worries me from Golden or from Marvin Jones' perspective. And Golden Tate's been getting, I think, less attention. So that's why he's been getting more production lately, which has been good. Um, and like you said, with Riddick, I mean, they, they peppered uh, Riddick with, you know, a lot of touches last week. And I'm not quite sure why. First week back, you thought they could have maybe given him a little bit less work, but he got a lot. Um, so I think I think you almost have to play him, especially when you look at what Jordan Howard did against that that team without their best two guards and Josh Sitton and Kyle Long for Chicago. I think that looks good for Riddick. I mean, especially you know I know he's a passing work kind of guy, but maybe some screens, maybe those can blow him up. Yeah, I, I think it was really something when we saw you point out, for example, with with uh, Jordan Howard. I don't think anybody saw that sort of game coming and. And, uh, you know, obviously you don't expect anybody to go for 200 yards, but against arguably the best defense in the league, that's really something to look at. Um, shifting gears to maybe a game that maybe when you look at it on paper isn't going to be as entertaining. Um, well, maybe it is. I don't know, depending on who you are. But the, the Titans and the Chargers going up against each other this weekend. Um, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm an owner of, of Travis Benjamin in a few places. Tyrell Williams been a good fantasy pickup. They still aren't practicing this week. Is there any concern about them? And then also, I guess on the other side, you know, when is it time to start wondering whether the Titans actually, you know, pull DeMarco Murray back a little bit, stop using him so much, and, and maybe use Henry a little bit more? Is that even going to happen at all? And if so, when do you think you could see that happening? No, I think those are great questions, Doug. And that was one thing that I had saw, you know, this afternoon with Tyrell Williams in practice. And I know. Benjamin's battling, I think, a PCL or an MCL yeah, strain. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's tough with it for a speed guy like that, and that's tough. And then you look at Antonio Gates, I mean, he can barely move with all the targets he's getting. He's getting hardly any production. I mean, that's just a, that's a tough offense right now. I don't know if you can start Rivers, to be honest. I think it's – you start Melvin Gordon, I think that's about all you can start this week. And, you know, because Henry, he gets dinged because Gates gets targets. You know what I mean? He hasn't been great the last two weeks. But, um, yeah, it's concerning, I think, on that offense. Uh, in terms of the Titans, yeah, that's a good question because, man, Murray is sure eating and he is catching the ball and doing, you know, he's looking really good. And, and it's good to see a guy revive his career like that. And, you know, Henry's not bad. Do they want to save him? Um, based on his contract, I, I, I essentially see this like a two-year deal for Murray. So, you know, if they want to save him a little bit, make sure that he's going to be able to, to walk and <laughs> move for next year. <laughs> That could be the case, but I could I could definitely see the Titans running away with this game and then feeding Henry in the second half. 
Yeah, and that's something I can see as well. But you mentioned there about uh, Gates. I think we all talked ourselves into preseason. You know, Gates was uh, just a couple of receptions, touchdown receptions away from the record, and that Rivers were going to feed him. But we didn't really see what Hunter Henry was going to do. But Gates, as you mentioned, uh, hasn't really been able to move all that well. Uh, this game uh, as well, featuring the Titans, Marcus Mariota has thrown multiple touchdowns in six games this season. That's tied with Matt Ryan for the league lead. He's uh, had a, a nice run of production and. I mentioned last week with those overtime games that cost me in that same league. I had uh, Marcus Mariota as my starting quarterback who sat those last eight minutes in that blowout to the the, uh, the Jaguars. But we're looking here, you know, Delaney Walker's playing as well. I think he start him with confidence in this one. But it's a game where on paper it could be high scoring, but, you know, you mentioned about Sutton Rivers. It could be one of those ones this week, I think, where it has the potential to, to go a lot more low scoring than we expected. On to Carolina now, and I know the LA Rams, like, they're at LA and there's not a lot I don't think to talk about with the Rams uh, you know offensively but Carolina uh, since Cam Newton has returned from that concussion Jonathan Stewart has had six of eight rushing attempts inside the 10 yard line they've had eight he's ran six of them uh, do you think that's something that continues uh, for their you know going forward or is it just something that they're you know they're they're changing up their strategy for just certain games I think you'd hope that they, they got smarter I mean I know Cam's trying to get down more and He's taking way too many hits, you know, and you hope officials help him out there. But yeah, he was talking about this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I hope that they're just being smart about his usage. I know he can do it. It doesn't mean he has to. I mean, we've all seen RG3 completely fall apart because of getting hit too much and what that does mentally for players. Um, so I hope so. And, yeah, Jonathan Stewart did have a really good game last week. You hope he can just stay healthy as well. Uh, the one thing to think of with, with the L.A. Rams is, uh, and I got it right finally. I kept saying St. Louis and, yeah, that's the and first time I got it yelling right, at me. <laughs> is, is, is Carolina's defense back? I mean, they looked pretty awesome against the Cardinals last week. I know the Cardinals are kind of a, uh, a shadow of themselves uh, from last year. But if that defense is back, you know, it's really going to be tough. You know, what do you do with Todd Gurley uh, averaging 3.3 yards a carry right now? Now he faces come on short and uh, Starler Thule. And, I mean, that defense – I mean, they're really good. Um, I mean, do you guys start early this week? Um, I think with the workload he's getting, but, you know, even we've seen Johnson had a little bit of a slowdown uh, this past week against them. I know calling it a slowdown for him, but, you know, he's just been on such a sensational pace. But I don't know with Gurley. Uh, I think, again, if you're talking, you know, the offensive line, they have put a lot of draft picks into, you know, and resources into it, but they're just not opening those holes for Garley. And there's sometimes then when they do open them, and I don't think that he has uh, faith in them, you know, with their with their uh, strength to, to open those holes for him. And I just, do you think it's an offensive line issue, or do you think that maybe Todd Garley is just not producing at the level that we've seen from him last year, you know, in his well, own game? Yeah, well, one quick thing real quick. Uh, David Johnson had 10 carries for 24 yards against Carolina. So that part's yeah. scary with a really good back. Yeah. But we, we covered Gurley on Philmetrics uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and it's the line. I mean, it is horrible. I yes. mean, I I said Todd Gurley should be getting steak dinners from his, his offensive line every practice just because he makes them employable, because he makes so many guys miss and gets back to the line of scrimmage. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's unbelievable how bad they are. Um, and, and you feel bad for a guy like that, like how much he's getting beat on. You hope he just doesn't get beat out of the league before he can, you know, get a line that's, you know, average. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing the, the thing for me is that even with that offensive line, even say they improved it, part of the problem is, is that their passing offense is nothing to be feared of, which means that the team doesn't really have to, the opposing team doesn't really have to worry about you know, their passing offense is much, you know, can load the box a little bit more, you know, cover more gaps. And, and it's just a, a situation where, you know, their quarterback just got off of throwing four interceptions. He's not good. They don't really have any real weapons on offense except for Mr. You know, $11 million per year, man, Tavon Austin. And I guess you could say Kenny Britt, but this team is just not adding good enough pieces. They're, you know, they're wasting picks. You know, and not necessarily wasting, but they're sitting their number one overall pick when they spent a fortune to get him. But you know, they're you know they're willing to throw out Case Keenum and, and just let Todd Gurley waste after he was their first round pick last year. It's just surprising at, at, at how little they really have done to to improve his situation. I completely agree with you. I mean, the one thing that is fascinating though is that you know Brian Quick has over fifty yards receiving in five straight games, and Kenny Britt has actually had some decent yardage games this year too. But I agree with you. I mean, it's. I think it's because they can play action and throw with 
such stacked boxes against Gurley because they're not really feared. While they're getting yardage, not not putting up points. You know, Brian Cook's not going to run away from people every game. I mean, he will have one big play here or there. Um, and I agree with you. Like, you ensure your investments. That's why with a young quarterback, you build an offensive line around him. That's why you give, you know, Tony Romo with the thought, Ezekiel Elliott to take a lot of pressure off of Romo and his injuries, et cetera. But they're not doing that for Gurley. They have invested picks. But, I mean, Greg Robinson has been such a bust, and they've been a lot of other mid-round picks. So I don't know if it's, they can't develop the talent, they can't identify it, or you know maybe those guys just aren't good. I'm not sure what it is. But that line is horrendous. And here's the other part of it, too. I, I am fascinated by this, guys, because you know, I'm a coach. That's you know my background. If you're going to give the, the ball to Todd Gurley, don't you think you should just spread out the defense? You know what I mean? Put, put, put all these receivers out there, spread them out. But no, they put like three freaking tight ends in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's get nine guys in here. Let's see Todd make all these guys miss. Because, you know, the best guy, the best way to block a guy is just to take him out of the play. Who cares? You know? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. You know, they, uh, you know, if they take away from being able to load the box, it gives it so Gurley has more of a chance. Not saying it's going to give him, you know, a 100% chance of doing better. But, you know, it just goes back to, I, I think that this team you know, like you said, has a hard time identifying talent. I mean, when you look at it, Todd Gurley, even even though you picked him at 10 last year, it's kind of hard not to when you have a situation like you did and, you know, who you have there. But to go and then waste picks on a guy that we may not even ever see play, you know, this year or, you know, who knows when. But it just feels like this off this front office, this, this coaching staff, and I'm sure a lot of people can agree, just doesn't know how to – to, to find good talent all the way around. They found good defensive talent. They were able to, to have a good defense and have good defensive personnel. But for some reason, they can't do it on the other side of the ball. And I think you have to be equal because you can only get so far with the defense. Yes, defense can win championships, but it's hard to, to win a championship when you're not even close to even being uh, you know a contender for it. Yeah, and you also have uh, Jeff Fisher in there as well. So, yeah, that's another, that's another situation. Uh, Doug, I want to get your opinion on the next game. It's uh, the New York Jets at Miami. Obviously, uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I'll let you pronounce his name, but the running back for Miami has had uh, two 200-yard games. Um, the Jets have been very stout against the run this year, but the, the Dolphins have, we talked about O-lines a few times in this show, they've really, uh, over the last couple of weeks, you know, the O-line has been healthy, uh, they've looked much, much better, and they've tried to take some of the pressure off Ryan Tannehill, it has been based all around the run game, can you see that run game being sustained this week with J.I.J., oh, I've spoiled it now, I said his name, but, uh, and um, how do you see this one going, like, this is a game where, I'm not seeing a huge amount of fantasy points coming out of it. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Jets versus Miami? Yeah, I don't think Ajayi is going to uh, see, see. Yeah, see what I did there? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think we're going to see another 200-yard game from him. You don't necessarily um, think that, no? No, no, I don't, uh, <laughs> shockingly. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting. You know, like he's, like you said, this is a tough matchup for him. You know, going up against the Jets, who do uh, are very good, at least on their defensive line. You know, I, I don't even know if you can say the same about their linebacking core, but they have been pretty stout against the run. And obviously, Ajayi is coming off of uh, you know two straight 200-yard games. So it'll be interesting to see you know what he can do, especially now that Arian Foster all of a sudden retired. Yeah. You know, there there's nobody behind him really. There's what Dam- uh, uh, Drake and uh, Kenyon Drake, and then yeah. there's what Damian Williams as well. So. Um, it's really interesting to see. I think he's going to be obviously a workhorse. Uh, he's earned it, obviously. So I, I, I would say he could probably muster, I don't know, like a 20, 20 attempt game for like 70 yards or so. I think he could do something like that. Yeah. And like you said with this offensive line, they've just gotten healthy. And now that they're finally starting to do something, I'm not saying that they're a top flight offensive line, but you know now that their offensive line is finally healthy, it's really helped in both the pass and the the run game, opening up for Ajayi, and then also just allowing Tannehill to have time in the pocket, not feel as much pressure. So um, it really benefits you know Jarvis Landry, of course, and then you know Kenny Stills, I believe, is coming off a good game as well. So it'll be interesting to see against one of the worst. I can't believe we're seeing this with Revis in there, but yeah. one of the worst secondaries uh, with the Jets in there. And then on the other side, obviously. Uh, the Dolphins are not very good on defense. We can say that. Um, with that being said, I I I, I think that um, you know when you look at this game, you know somebody like Matt Forte 
is going to come in. I think he's going to have a really good game. I think he actually practiced fully this uh, today. So it points to, you know, he's probably almost 100% healthy, which is something we usually don't see this this late in the season from him, um, you know, just considering he has been nicked up in years past. So, And then I'm still going to trust a guy like Brandon Marshall going up against a, a very bad Dolphins secondary. Um so even with the, uh, I don't think Chris Culver is going to play this weekend, uh, and he probably would automatically be their number one cornerback just because of how bad it is. So I would still trust Brandon Marshall this weekend and Matt Forte, uh, Nunwa maybe as well. But yeah, I don't see this being a very prosperous game necessarily for a lot of fantasy owners, but it's still a game where you could see some players have really good games against two teams that have pretty weak defenses all the way around. Yeah, and I think this is a you know I think the Jets can truly rule themselves out of playoff contention. But the the Dolphins have been a you know the the bye week last week they've been a different kind of uh, opponent over the last couple of weeks that they did play with those two wins against the Bills and uh, against Pittsburgh. So I think you know the the Jets going in here. I do have a pause for concern for them, but I, I can also see your point. And last week uh, against the Browns, Bilal Powell did get more involved again and picked up a touchdown, but you know it was on kind of limited snaps again. So Forte has kind of got back to uh, leading this backfield and snaps. So it's just for me it's a, a wait and see just in that backfield um, I don't own Forte in any leagues but I do own Bilal Powell in a lot of leagues and I'm just going to be sitting him this week I, I think it's a game where I think Miami actually will come out on top and, and win this one so it's going to be an interesting one to see next up we're going to talk about Denver at Oakland and uh, the Broncos they haven't been uh, anything flamboyant or anything you know explosive to watch on offense but uh, obviously Booker had a ge- uh, started last week for them and you know was kind of very inefficient on the the touches he got but he will be the lead back uh, this week again if he's good to go it looks like he will start again had a, a shoulder injury uh, this past week uh, against the the Chargers but Oakland on the other side of things they had a quite a day <laughs> had a set a record for penalties in the NFL last week against the Buccaneers but uh, the main talking point coming out of it was Derek Carr throwing for over 500 yards not one and Amari Cooper set a career high of 170 three yards uh, and a touchdown so he had a, a very very nice game and it's his third 100 yard effort in four games so this is uh, my question for you on this one Doug and I think with the Denver defense it's uh, probably an obvious enough answer it's gonna be hard for Cooper owners to set him this week but against the Denver Broncos uh, is there anyone for Oakland that you're you're starting with uh, any shred of confidence yeah I mean when you when you look at it keep to leave is uh injured he didn't play last weekend He's obviously one of their top two cornerbacks. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to play this weekend. Uh, he's still not practicing, really. So that is an upgrade. Uh, obviously, Bradley Roby would probably step in, be the outside guy. And and we still did see, you know, the Chargers put up some decent stats considering who they went up against. Uh, you know, but this team is very tough, you know, whether it's up front or in the back seven. So, I still think that I'm going to start Derek Carr, considering that you're without, you know, Tom Brady this week. You're you're out, uh, Kirk Cousins. You're out, Andy Dalton, uh, Carson Palmer. I guess you could even mention there too. So I, I think you have to start a guy like Derek Carr, who's just been, you know, coming off of I think what 500 something yards and uh, you know four touchdowns yeah. or, or three touchdowns. So it's hard for you, for somebody to sit him. And I think Rivers still did pretty decent against them last week and and i would say that Derek carr probably you know fantasy wise is probably better than rivers right now just because you know he has probably the best i said yeah i said fantasy wise (laughs) i'm not i'm not saying he's better you know i'm a big fan of philip rivers but you know fantasy wise i would have to say that Derek carr is probably better than him so i i think that this could be still a game where Derek carr has top 10 numbers but again that's probably not too hard considering who is out this week so i'd probably start Derek carr amari cooper it's gonna be hard to sit same thing with crabtree these guys you know especially with six teams on by you know have been consistent producers or at least they're they have very high ceiling so it's hard to sit guys like that so i would i would definitely highlight at least those three guys yeah and uh, you mentioned you know it could be a top 10 i'm going to give you a top 15 this week i'm going to tell that uh Derek Carr won't be a top 15 quarterback and you can have him as a top 15 quarterback and uh, we'll see how that goes this week you mentioned Philip Rivers he had a pretty solid game last week but in terms of fantasy finished with uh, under 12 points and the Broncos just aren't giving up those points uh, to opposing quarterbacks this season last game on the slate is uh, a big divisional clash and sees the New York Giants uh, host the Philadelphia Eagles the Eagles losing in overtime to the Cowboys and the Giants coming off that bye week I think 
you know, you're starting Odell Beckham, obviously, in this one. That Giants backfield's a mess. Uh, you could probably start Jennings, but I just start. I, I wouldn't be starting any Giants outside of Beckham with any confidence this week. Uh, Philadelphia has been pretty stout. I know they gave Des Bryant a couple of a big plays last week, but you know they just they haven't been good. The the situation here that I'm interested to get your thoughts on is that Eagles backfield. Uh, Darren Sproles played 82 percent of the snaps uh, in Week Eight and handled 39 percent of the team's uh, running back touches. Uh, Ryan Matthews, you know he's just he's just not getting a lot of uh, volume uh, the last couple of games but he is getting a lot of volume inside the 10 yard line he has 71.4 percent of the backfield touches inside the 10 yard line which you know helps you get into the end zone but Sproles has looked the better running back over the last couple of weeks Uh, your thoughts on the the Eagles backfield I'm glad you didn't mention Wendell Smallwood who Uh, on his own who on his only touch of the game last week got a fumble um, which I was watching I'm, and I was laughing. I'm just going to um, put this out. I know I don't want this to be a cry for a column podcast, but I talked about how bad last week was. Uh, I had Ty Montgomery uh, in a league, and that there didn't really come out that he wasn't going to play to just around the, the time of those 6 o'clock games. And for some reason, the only option that wasn't rostered in this league, quite a deep league, was Wendell Smallwood. And I picked him up, and he finished with minus two points in a game that I lost by two points. So... Uh, it was uh, quite let's not talk about Wendell Smallwood yeah that's how bad last Uh, week was yeah I mean I I, you know the 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 Eagles head coach Doug Peterson has come out and said you know he's still the lead back he's still going to get touches but the numbers show otherwise you know granted he could do it could have more this this coming weekend but Darren Sproles has outperformed him uh you know even despite the volume like you said inside the 10 at the goal line so I just think that, especially with the the lack of weapons that Philadelphia has, I just think that Darren Sproles offers more of this offense right now. Especially now that they actually just got rid of a wide receiver that I, I really, you know, that's a separate issue. But yeah. you know, um, you know, they they just are in a situation where you know Carson Wentz isn't clicking with Zach Ertz. They've already they've already addressed that. You know, Jordan Matthews is doing all right, I guess you could say. DGB is in effect is inconsistent. Same with Algalar. So. I think it's a situation where Sproles is probably their most consistent player on offense. And I think it's a situation where, you know, Matthews is going to get touches, but he's just been ineffective, like you said. And I think that Sproles is just volume alone is going to be able to, to stay fancy relevant. I would start him definitely over a guy like Rashad Jennings, where there's probably six running backs, yep. at, at least in New York, that, that that'll get touches. So I, I would definitely start a guy like Darren Sproles. I, I think until we actually see – you know, Ryan Matthews on the field more, I wouldn't be so confident in starting him. And I would say he's on benches this week. Uh, while Darren Sproles, I would say a solid flex play, especially in uh, PPR leagues. Yeah, I agree with you there. And um, a couple of notes that I have here in front of me that we went through some of those games and skipped over some players, uh, didn't mention them in the Bucks game. Uh, Doug Martin hamstring is yet to resume practice. He's not going to be in this week. So it's going to be a committee featuring Antoine Smith and Peyton Barber in that because Jack Quiz Rogers is also out. Uh, Carlos Hyde on track to play for the 49ers in that matchup against the Saints. So I talked about a juicy matchup for the Saints running back possibilities. Uh, it should be a nice matchup here for Carlos Hyde if he is good to go. Um, CJ, or Niall Davis, had, uh, we mentioned it earlier, he got cut by the Packers. Uh, he had quite a week. He was then claimed by the Jets and then cut by the Jets in a 44 or 48-hour period. And that was so they could sign CJ Spiller. So quite a week for uh, young Niall Davis. Uh, on the other side... Tyler Eifert uh, had a big week there on a bye this week, the Cincinnati Bengals, but he had a big week. We were kind of waiting to see if he could uh, fulfill you know, a much higher workload than he did the previous week. He got 9 of 12 targets, 102 yards and a touchdown. He looked very, very good against the Redskins uh, in that one. Since Michael Thomas skipped over it as well, he has 42 receptions, um, and that is tied now with Anquan Bolden by the most ever for a rookie receiver through his first seven games. So he's on a, a nice productive pace there, and... Uh, last up we did talk in about that Denver Broncos defense against the Raiders they have allowed only two top 24 scoring wide receivers this season that is the fewest uh, in the league in fantasy football so it's uh, an ominous task this week I know you said about earlier you know Derek Carr it's gonna be a tough one for them this week Uh, and with that that'll come to the end of our week nine preview Uh, obviously Nick it's been a lot of fun having you back on the show everyone should be following Nick if they aren't already at 
at underscore Nick Whelan. That underscore always catches me out. Uh, he's a co-host of the DLF Dynasty podcast. And the Philometrics podcast is one that I really, really do enjoy. Um, you know, you get a lot more video analysis talk on that one there. So I do enjoy that there with George as well. And, uh, of course, the Devi Report. Have you started to get some notes ready for next year's Devi Report yet, Nick? Yeah, I have. Unfortunately, with a beast like that, you have to kind of prepare. So I've yeah. already started looking at some of the it'll be incoming freshmen uh, next year and uh, even some of the, the underclassmen because if they're a junior and they can declare, I don't want to put a lot of work into them because you know they they might not go into the report. But yeah, I've, I've started. So, uh, but I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I, I love the pod and uh, it was that fun talking with you. And uh, it's at everyreport.com for more information on that one, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, I always uh, I hadn't that written down in my sheet, but uh, of course I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Doug is on Twitter at D More NFL, and uh, of course enjoy Week Nine upcoming here. And uh, of course until we're back next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.